This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Where are you right now mentally with where you are with your team? Uh, I feel like uh, for number one, uh, congrats to my guy, uh, Christian. You know, uh, been knowing him since college, and uh, he deserved every penny that he's gotten. And, uh, I mean, as far as for me, uh, I think timing is everything. You know, uh, I don't I don't really try to bite on the money. But right now, it's all about just, have, just having a, another successful season with my team. The team is going to be all right. You know, you got to take care of your, uh, the team first, the individual awards. They'll come after. Very well said, Leonard Fournette, as he was on first take. Earlier today, took a shot at Tom Coughlin. We shared that about 45 minutes ago and uh, had things like that to say. Answered it uh, the way you think uh, Leonard Fournette would answer it. He will get a payday, I think, after this year. From who, how much? Well, those things will fall into place after he plays this season. Can he stay healthy? Can he have another, another productive year? I'm telling you, if he has another productive year... You're going to look at his numbers, and I wouldn't mind being his agent. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't. I, I, I think Leonard Fournette, again, if he can have 12, 13, 1400 yards, you're going to look at his first four years in the NFL. You're going to compare it to some others, and you're going to be like, you know what? Not bad. Now, what he does need to do is hit a home run with the touchdowns. Touchdowns were so far down last year. He hardly played games the year before. So Leonard Fournette's going to have to hit a home run and have more like the first year, the rookie year, when it comes to touchdowns because those numbers will be used against him if he is unable to do so. By the way, in the last segment, we said our four players. I know you criticized me a little bit for going Burrow, uh, although I'm just telling you, I think when when Dave Caldwell, I think he is being a little sly there when he says, hey, give me uh, four guys. Well, he just has to answer to that. He's not trying to help us figure out a puzzle here. He's just saying, yeah, there are four guys. Burrow, if he somehow slipped, that slipped down there. I know he's not going to, but if he did, well, we wouldn't move out of that spot. We mm-hmm. we, we think he's good. Uh, you said uh, Akuda. You said Derek Brown. You said Kinlaw. You said Simmons. Mm-hmm. I said Akuda for sure. I did say Burrow. I said Brown. I think they do value Brown. I think they like him better than Kinlaw. Uh, and then I said Kinlaw because of the lack, the drop off. But I missed one in there. I can't Chase have Young. Kinlaw. It's Chase Young. Mm-hmm. Chase Young would be in there. I know you were doing it under a little bit different. You're saying basically uh, Burrow and, and Young aren't slipping, and we all know that. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to get down there. I get it. That's fair enough. I just think the Jags still have to rank players. You still have to do it because we can say things like Chase Young never going to get down to number five. He's never going to get down to number six. I think we would have said similar kind of things about Josh Allen last year. I know it's a little different, but I think we would have said there were very few projections that had Josh Allen going at number seven. True, but Josh Allen didn't almost win a Heisman Trophy last year either. I get it. Yeah. I'm not saying you're going to go from two projected two to number nine, but I will say Josh Allen went from projected four to seven. Yeah. So it only takes one outside-the-box trade or thinking to really throw everything for a loop. Again, I don't think Young's going to get to number nine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this all comes down to what do you think Dave Caldwell meant, and, you know, it's kind of analyzing what he said. You know, I think the quote was, um, they would not pass on any of the four top-tier players in this year's 2020 draft, okay? Top-tier players. Well, yeah, you, you wouldn't pass on Burrow, and you wouldn't pass on Chase Young. I guess it all depends. Do you think that Dave Caldwell was referring to those. 
you say they, they are, and I'm saying that they're not. Um, I'm saying that he's referring to guys that can realistically drop to the Jaguars. I think Akuda. I mean, it could you know it could be like another Josh Allen from last year. I think Akuda, if the things happen correctly, could drop to the Jaguars. Absolutely could. I, obviously, I think Isaiah Simmons possibly could drop there along with you know. Kinlaw for sure might even be there. It's not even dropping. Like he's gonna be there. And you know, Derek Brown's on everyone's big board as the number one defensive tackle. Well, if Derek Brown drops, obviously I think the Jaguars take him as well. So to me it's just about guys that there is a realm of possibility of them being able to get. And keep in mind some of the uh, if you think about it this way, it's like the question was pretty much asked like if you're at number nine and somebody comes up and says, "Hey, I want number nine pick. I want to jump up and get this guy. Would you be willing to move?" Mm-hmm. And there were a few guys on the board for the Jags for Caldwell said that they wouldn't budge for it. I have a hard time believing they wouldn't budge if Kinlaw's on the board. I have a hard time believing if Simmons is on the board, they wouldn't budge. That that it doesn't fit for me. Uh, but you might be right. Uh, I just have well, a hard time. Well, believing. Let me ask you: Why doesn't Simmons fit for you? Because I don't know where he's playing. Sure. And that, but at I mean, least for me, Brent, yeah. is hard to process. <laughs> I, I love you. the athlete. And by the way, I've endorsed going to get some of the great athletes. You find a place. That's fine. I'm not going to – I'm okay, but you better have a plan. And what I've seen this organization do is not really have a great plan in the past. I use Miles Jack as an example. Miles Jack was great value in round number two, without question. But they said, hey, Miles, we think you're such a good athlete, you can play everywhere. So, hey, learn how to play the weak side. Learn how to play the middle so you can take over for Puzz someday. Learn how to play the strong side because that's probably where you're going to start. Well, the guy's head is spinning around. Sure. Doesn't know where he's playing. Then they move him to middle. Ah, he didn't handle it too well, so Puzz goes back to the middle for a bit. Then he does get to the middle. Now he's going to the weak side. I just think... He is a, that's a red flag to me where if you have a Simmons who might be able to play safety, might be able to play linebacker, might be able to play as a pass rusher in your three, four looks if you want to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just says okay. it's just too much if you don't have a plan. So what I haven't seen from this organization is taking a guy like that and saying, hey, you can do a lot, but we're going to use you here. Now, can you be like, Der- is he Derwin James where you can move him all over the place and you feel okay with it? Maybe. I just don't know that. And I think those things are dangerous. Much like the the same thing I feel like is dangerous when you're saying, hey, you played here in college all the time. Go play here on the right side instead of the left side or the right side instead of the left. I think those are dangerous things. I, I don't know if you're going to get the best out of that player, especially early in his career, if you're doing that. Not saying it can't be done. Mm. A lot of people have done it successfully. I haven't seen a lot of that successfully here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, to me, it comes down to if you do have a guy like Simmons, yes, you do have to have a plan in place. Well, to me, the plan's one of three things. Either they're going to put him at safety, which I think the safeties right now are okay. I don't think that really needs looking at. You put him at linebacker. Obviously, right now, the weak side's taken up. The middle's taken up. So do you put him to strong side linebacker? Probably not. So then I think the logical explanation, like I said before, this is a situation where you make your defense around your players and you gravitate towards those ta- to that talent. If you do that, then... Then you take a look at a 3-4 defense, and you have Josh Allen, and then you have Isaiah Simmons on both sides, because Isaiah Simmons has showed great poise in dropping back into coverage. He's taken wide receivers man-to-man, no problem. Obviously, his pass rushing is okay. He can work on it some more, but you don't need him to do that all the time. You need him to drop back in coverage and confuse defenses. So with that being said, I think if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and Simmons is there, that's where you turn your whole defense around and try to tailor it to him.
Yeah, listen, I'd love to see the plan. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. It, and the more phenomenal athletes you get on the field, sign me up. <laughs> you know, I think that's usually a win. And, and usually, but give me a good plan. Just make sure there's a good plan around it, and don't go so far outside the box. Put too much on their plate. I think we've seen it too many times before uh, here in Jacksonville. There's other examples more than Miles Jack too, uh, where where it just hasn't seemed to click, especially right away. And in that with that ninth overall selection. I need right away. I need some impact. I, I don't need Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't even need probably Josh Allen type of impact, but I need impact yeah. uh, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, my favorite uh, thing, one of my favorite things in radio is when we do like these conference calls or whatever, and uh, you get to radio host says, well, uh, I asked him. This was my question. <laughs> Who cares? A little, little pat on the back. Yeah. Who cares? But I will say, this was my question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Careful Earlier with that today. hand. Pat yourself on the back a little too much. <laughs> nah. Let's hear Brett Martineau's question. I can't wait. No, don't put the question in. Uh, uh, but the, oh. the the topic <laughs> is is relevant. Okay. I actually thought they were pretty good on this uh, this subject today. Okay. Let me know if if you thought this was revealing in any way of which way the Jags could go. Or do we interpret it that way because we've got a feeling which way they might go? Okay. Uh, this is Dave Caldwell when talking about the depth on the offense and defensive lines. I, I think two different. One is offensive line. I think you, this is a very good offensive line class, um, especially early. But I also think there are players throughout the draft that you can get in the mid-rounds, unlike years past, whether it's a tackle, a guard, it's one of the better center classes I've seen in a, in a long time um, that you may not have to exercise a high pick and still get a good player, albeit not as talented as maybe somebody you may take in the top 10, um, but but somebody that could come in, play, add depth, and eventually be a starter for you. Uh, defensively, it's a little bit different. I think there's a dramatic fall off uh, from your top guys, uh, especially interior D-line. Um, and not as much depth throughout the draft. Ah, I know where they're going. Yeah. Now, essentially, did they say, basically, if you want to read into that, like, okay, we don't really need an offensive lineman in the first yeah. top 10, top 20, because there's some depth in the middle rounds. We got three fourth-round picks. Mm-hmm. We have a third-round pick. We might be able to find something there that will add to our team that will continue to build that. Mm-hmm. If we wait until then in the second round, third round, maybe even the 20th pick on defensive line, we're in trouble. We're not getting any more help. We've got to live with the Gunthers and Al Woods, and we've got Avery Jones and Taven Bryans, and we're kind of stuck. That's kind of like the interpretation of that, Mm -hmm. what he said. And does that mean they're okay not going offensive line? They like what they have more than other people think, but they're trending toward taking defensive line. Is that a revelation of any sort? (laughs) I mean – you can call it revelation. I think. I mean, it's listen. It's the the, the proof is in the pudding, and and it's stating the obvious here. And and Dave knows it's just like you know this, and I know this. When you get past Javon Kinlaw, it's just the the, the talent takes a big hit, you know. So, um, he understands that, and I also think Dave Cole understands that defensive tackle, especially that three technique, could be a liability going forward. So. Um, did he kind of tip his hand a little bit and say, well, yeah, we're probably going to lean towards either Derek Brown or, or Kinlaw? I mean, he might have, but but to me, it was always the obvious. You know, and um, maybe this is a smokescreen. Maybe this is all a setup for some big plan, some grand scheme that we're not even seeing yet. And it's going to blow our minds when it happens. That could very well happen as well. But I'm just saying, if you look at last year, the holes in that team, the holes in that defense, and going into this year right now, the question is simple. 
Cam Robinson is what, Brent? You, uh, rank Cam Robinson in the NFL right now as left tackle. Where would you put him? Probably I think I said, uh, 20 through 25? 20. Yeah. Where's Taven Bryan as, as a three technique right now? Oof, there's multiple of those guys on teams sometimes. I mean, probably in the 30s. Uh, for, for is ranking, that safe? Uh, I mean, I think that's safe. It's probably maybe even a little generous. Let's be, be generous. honest here. Yeah. yeah. Question answered. Okay, where I think, yes, I, I get it. You have to, Cam Robinson, there could be a question mark going forward with him. And, you know, and Doug Marone was kind of adamant of saying, we'll see how much of that was actually the injury and how much of that was, you know, actually him not just playing well. And keep in mind, if you go with a tackle in the first round, especially at the number nine pick, that tackle comes into play right away, okay? You, you're not drafting a left tackle to to be a backup, so it has to be a left tackle because it's not going to be a right tackle. So like I said, Werfs played right tackle. You can move him over, and it'll probably be fine. You know, like especially if you take a, ta- a tackle in the top ten, nine times out of ten, those guys can transition to any spot on the field, and they're going to be okay, right? But my point is, are, is there a little, I guess, just a little thing in your mind saying, if you're Doug Marone, if you're Dave Cole, saying, that you know what? Maybe Cam Robinson was hurt a little bit last year. Maybe going forward this year, he, he can produce, he can be better. And what can you say about Taven Bryan? Can, can you confidently say right here, Ty, Taven Bryan is a starting three technique. We like what he's going to do, and he's going to anchor down the defense. He's going to cause chaos in the backfield. He's going to get after the quarterback, and we're all going to be good. I'm not sure if you can sound as confident saying that it with Taven Bryan as you can with Cam Robinson. Yeah, I like it's listen, this what was it revealing? Not really. It was probably what most people are saying. Uh but I also think there's no danger for the Jags to say, Hey, yeah, we like a couple of guys in this draft at the defensive tackle spot and there's not really a lot left after that. Because to be honest with you, is there any doubt Kinlaw's gonna be on the board at number nine? I mean, I haven't seen anybody project Kinlaw in the top eight. I, I mean, I haven't yet, I, unless somebody else has, but I, I haven't seen it. So I think they will at least have Kinlaw available if they want him there. And you know they're going to have one of the offensive linemen. So, uh, offensive linemen, uh, linemen. <laughs> Good linemen. English today yeah, all over you the place, man. Over, man. Uh, <laughs> welcome to my world. Welcome, welcome to my brain. <laughs> uh, the, I, I'll say this again, kind of to what you just did. This would be a great if, – if I was in a draft room, I think this is how I would contribute. I would I would try to make a draft. Uh, I would try to make a bar graph. I said this a little bit yesterday. And I would do what you just did. Where do we rank Cam Robinson and Taven Bryan mm-hmm. last year? Okay, where do we rank them? Or, or how do we rate them on a 1 to 10 scale? Whatever it might be. Whatever your grading scale is. How do we rank these guys? The worst of the world. The Thomases of the world. The Kinlaws and Derek Browns of the world. And then... How do I rank the second tier? So there's three different levels. How do I rank the guys I already have? Mm-hmm. How do I rank the guys that are the top guys in this draft? Mm-hmm. And how do I rank that second tier, third tier, where I could get another one in the second, third, fourth round? Mm-hmm. And if you did that in this scenario, what it screams out to me is kind of what you said. Okay, Cam, say in 20s. Worse than them? Yeah, Maybe you go plus five. Maybe you're, maybe you're automatically getting a top 15 guy. Mm-hmm. Say you go David Bryan, 30. Well, Kinlaw comes in, you're getting a 20 guy right mm-hmm. off the rip. Well, you increase 10 spots. Mm-hmm. Where's the rest of the offensive linemen? Mm-hmm. And where are the rest of the defensive linemen? And I think that's how Caldwell basically answered it to say, we can get a little more substance in the middle rounds with O-line. Probably not going to find it too much with D-line. And also keep in mind, too, ideally what would happen is if you got an offensive lineman with that number nine pick, 
Say you, you bring in Becton. Maybe they like Becton, big bodied guy, um, played left tackle a lot. Obviously, weight could kind of be an issue, but as far as like a mauler and a star is just like an intimidation guy on the line, him and, and Juan Taylor as your tackles, whoo, okay. It's a lot of beef. Woo. But that is a lot of beef. Woo. But at the same time, though, keep in mind, <laughs> keep in mind, if you do that or if you get a, a left tackle, ideally what you want to do then, Brent, is you want to move Cam Robinson down to guard. Right, because the, you don't just want to set it and just like all of a sudden forget it at the left tackle and be like, all right, Cam, well, thanks for your service. Have fun riding the bench. Like you don't want to do that. He does at, have just one year left on his contract. But at the same time, Cam Robinson ain't gonna play guard, man. I hate to tell you, I I, I just don't see it happening from him. So essentially, he's gonna. Yeah, everybody be, thinks that's an easy move. Is he gonna play guard better than Cam is playing? Yeah, exactly. That's really the question. Is exactly. he gonna play it better than Norwell's playing it? You're you're gonna bring in Kinlaw, play three technique. Taven Bryan, let's just say in a perfect world, you bring in Kinlaw, obviously Taven Bryan sees the right on the wall, and you're probably going to be a backup in the base packages. Now, when it's, you know, the nickel packages, then maybe it's going to be Taven Bryan, and maybe it's going to be uh, Kinlaw, both at the, at the tackle spot. We don't know that. But I'm just saying you're still going to get depth from from um, Taven Bryan, okay? He's still going to be in the mix a little bit. He's still going to be, you know what? He spent that first round pick on him, but you know, he's still contributing. He's still in the backfield. He's still causing chaos. Now, maybe he's not a starter on the base defense, but he's still contributing. So, from that standpoint, I think you get even more value from going with a guy like a, like a Kinlaw or obviously a, a Brown Falls to you, but you get value from that standpoint because now it's helping your roster. Yeah, yeah. Right? At least from a depth standpoint. From yeah. a depth standpoint, yeah. Yeah, because you, you're going to play those guys. Yeah. They're going to sh- split snaps. And I'll talk a little bit more about Kinlaw later on, but to that point, it's kind of what they They brought Josh Allen along at a very good pace. Mm-hmm. They didn't ask him to do a whole heck of a lot. They weren't very good, but they didn't say, hey, go get 10.5 sacks. The 10.5 sacks kind of came about, one, because he's a very good football player, but I think, two, because they kept him fresh. Yep. They didn't put a lot of pressure on him. He got to play the snaps underneath the Calaises and Jans and everybody Everybody else of the world, I think that helped him. You could kind of do that with Kinlaw. You're not going to do that with a guy like Beckton Thomas, worse one of them. You're going to say, go play 65 snaps a game and play it well. Last question for you, too. Well, I guess last statement. I guess not really a question here. But if you think back to the defensive line that the Jaguars have drafted. Now, to me, Dante Fowler, that's kind of an outlier because he got hurt his first year, right? But True. think back to Josh Allen. Think back to Yannick Ngakwe. What do both those guys have in common? The rookie years, they had pretty, they had great success. Great production, right? Because I think the Jacksonville Jaguars, whether it's Todd Wash, because Todd Wash is a big defensive line guy, you know, I think that they are great at cultivating and making those guys make that transition from you know their senior year or whatever at college to their first year in the pros. There's a great transition period there that whatever the reason is, they seem to get with defensive linemen. On the other hand, think back to first-round picks of the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive linemen. Now, it's not a lot of them, obviously. Um, you know, Cam Robinson was a second-round pick. Juwan Taylor, second-round pick. And Juwan Taylor looks great. You know, we'll see where he is going forward. Cam Robinson, you can say, yeah, maybe he struggled a little bit. Obviously, Luke Jokel, but keep in mind, different that kind was of, different yeah, cast of characters. Different cast yeah. of characters and everything. But Jokel wasn't that great either. So it begs the question, too. Are you more equipped to mold an offensive tackle? And a first-round offensive tackle into what you want him to be as an all-pro? Or are you more equipped to mold a three-technique defensive lineman into that Pro Bowl slash all-pro player? Such a good question. And Marone talks about that a little bit later. And I actually had that question. What have the Jags done a good job? What position have they done a good job of molding, of mm-hmm. developing? And don't say none because it isn't none. You just gave great examples of a guy like Allen and Ngakwe who did take that transition. And by the way, they deserve a lot of credit for it. But they keep getting better and better as well. 
well. Jan's a good example of that, right? So you got to give some credit to the coaching staff on that. All right, before we get too far away, Kuz, let's play Doug Marone talking about the same topic. He adds to what Caldwell had to say about the trenches in this draft. I think what Dave said about the line is true. I mean, you know, there's guys that at the center position that you can, you know, go ahead and pick and play. You know, I think there's more of those guys this year than years past. They're not as, and they're not as, they're not as many guys that you're projecting. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, hey, this guy plays guard. You think he can play center? You know, I think there's a lot, a lot of guys that can give you a lot of value that can play guard and center. And I, and I think there's some really good tackles. I think there's some guys that are going to come out, you know, come out of this class to, to be really, really good football players. Uh, and I think the same with guards, and I think there's value throughout it. I think just the, the makeup of the height, weight, and speed might, might change some of those guys, and competition may change some of those guys, you know, saying early on. I think defensive line, I think, I think there's some really good guys inside that are, that are, you know, a lot of good two down players. You know, you're always looking for that three down player there. Uh, I think there's guys on the outside that are good rushers, but you know, you, you, you go back and you look to see how they defend the run. You know, and that's the main thing of what we've been doing. And I think there's, there's value for out there. Um, so, you know, I, I see, you know, it's like anything else. You know, you see something and you see a, a trait in a person later on that you like and, you know, you get it and you, you try to develop them, you know, as long as you have those skills. So, you know, that's the thing I think people miss the most. You know, I know that I've always taken a lot of pride when I first came into this league. It was told to me, you know, hey, listen, you're going to be judged on the players that you develop. You know, and I think that's the one thing. So you've got to, as a position coach and talking to the scouts, you've got to really do a good job of saying, okay, I think, you know, this can get this guy better. I'm talking about the later guys. This is where he's going to better. This is where he's going to be able to improve. Having shown that you've been able to do that as a coach, then I think it's even I to go out there and say, okay, hey, listen, you know, we, we feel we can get this guy a whole lot better and let's bring him in there. So I think a lot of it depends on, you know, what, coaches, what the coaches think they can develop, you know, and some of the skill sets that they have. That's Doug Marone talking about exactly what you just said. Now, yep. he wasn't talking about it with the high talent as much as the middle round talent. Yeah. That's what he was trying to say. That back end, the middle round, the guys that we talk less about, can you develop them into something? Are they worth the investment? And I think it goes hand in hand with what Dave Caldwell was saying. We think there is some value in offensive linemen in that third, fourth round. So getting a Charlie Heck out of North Carolina, by the way, his dad coached offensive line here, Andy Heck, uh, getting, you name the guy, right, mm-hmm. uh, that probably most people haven't even heard of. But we think that's some pretty good physical traits and the mentality to be developed is very coachable. Yeah. Well, that's our job. Yeah. And can the Jags do that? Have they done a good job of that? Uh, I think there are probably hits and misses for every coach on that. Mm-hmm. But I also think the Jags have shown signs of guys over the years of doing that. I mean, take DJ Chark. I mean, Chark was not a factor, like looked like a bust in year one. How much credit do you have to give to Keenan McCardell about what he did with DJ Chark yeah. going into year two? I think you got to give him a ton of credit. Yeah. Um, first of all, it, it's cool that since Tom Coughlin's gone now that Doug Marone just has his cell phone on the whole time, just ringing, ringing, texting, <laughs> and not turning his cell phone off. It is what it is, though. It's all good. No, actually, you know what that was? And I'm, it I'm, sounded like his cell phone no, was going off and texting. Dumb. Okay. You know what this is? What's that? That, I believe at least... Uh, because I remember this moment. That's the goofy media crew of the Jags that are all in a group text. And so they, they text all these funny things, or they think they're funny. Sure. Uh, at the time. To you? While, like, Doug's answering. So somebody's, it might have been my phone. Might have oh, been no. some. No, oh, my Brian. phone was on silent. My man. But the computer also makes noise. Oh. So it could have been any one of us is. Okay. Uh, 
the beep going off. Okay. And I blame it all on the Jags media. Okay. And they're well, not really that funny. They well, think they are. It was, it was evident. Just saying. But, it's, it, hey, it's all good. Listen, you know, it's the off season. If you want clean, crisp sound, <laughs> the COVID-19 era is not here for that. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. <laughs> so, listen, as Doug was, you know, and I, I thought Doug put it nicely there. But as he was, you know, saying all the stuff that he said, and, you know, it's all about taking a look at a kid and saying, you know what, we can work with this. We can make him what we want to make him. I mean, as he's saying that, man, Kinlaw jumps out to me as the, the kid that they're talking about there. Now, that's probably not true, but I'm just saying I've been very adamant how I feel about Kinlaw, okay? Derek Brown, who may drop the Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars take him, fantastic, man. You had a great player. Derek Brown is definitely the guy that's more polished right now. And you can easily set him in your starting lineup and probably have some success with him, okay? Kinlaw, not quite there yet. But I've been so adamant about this, Brent. This guy's first step, he's him, Marcel Darius, Clowney, and Aaron Donald. First team, all-step team, okay? First team. What? Get him a sticker. Get him an edible arrangement. Congratulations, Javon Kinlaw. I'm putting you on the team already. And he, he's not even in the league yet. And I'm ready to say that. He's got that good of first step. I think he's got a great first step. And, you know, the, the question mark comes with him is obviously you have to work his pass rushing skill set a little more. You know, like he, he's, he's a big bull guy because you know why? The bull rush works when you have a good first step, right? But once you get to the league, it's going to be a little different. You're going to have guys that can anchor down, that, that can feel your momentum, and you have to work a counter move off that. Now, he has to develop that. And I can make an argument and say, well, you know what? Derek Brown, same thing. Derek Brown made a lot of his money by just bowling Poland, okay? He doesn't really have really that great of a pass skill set either, I don't think. So with that being said, you have a guy like Kinlaw who has all the intangibles, has all the size, has all the speed, all the athleticism, but he just needs to be refined a little bit. To me, when Doug Marone was you know, going through that question, that's who he was talking about. Mm, interesting. Uh, who, who will the Jags be able to develop? Uh, what will they take? Before we uh, go, you mentioned Kinlaw. He's got a long. He's got long arms. Yeah. You know, I think the long arms, uh, long arm guys that can be really good in the league. There's a lot of them uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Jalen comes to mind. Obviously, he's long, man. Mm. Uh, I think Miles Jack's really long uh, in that sense. Does it matter on the interior defensive line? Is that a good trait to have? If you Length? can use it. I mean, why don't you go ahead and ask Clarence Campbell how that how that's going for him? Go and ask Chris Jones to the Kansas City Chiefs how that's working for him. If you know how to use it, you know, obviously right now Aaron Donald's still one of the best, if not the best, defensive lineman in all of football. Aaron Donald does not have long arms. Aaron Donald could probably go to it's like a muscle building competition and fit right in, right? Yeah. Um, he makes it work for him. But anytime you have the combination of that get off, that speed mixed with long arms and range, if you know how to use it. It's a deadly combination because it's, it's, it's science, Brent. If if if, if you if you have longer arms in the offensive tackle and you put your arms on him first, you're going to have the advantage. Simple as that. You're going to have the momentum, especially because you have the get-off. The offensive lineman has to absorb you. So if you can use your length to your advantage, it's the ultimate advantage. All this kid law talk. talk. Who did I take in the Golik and Wingo draft? Traded for Daniel Jones. Mock draft. Traded for Daniel Ninth Jones. Overall. A lot of pressure on me. I feel the heat. I don't envy the GMs around the league. Took a lot of heat on Twitter because of this move. Uh, is there anything worse than mock draft Twitter? <laughs> Let's be honest. Everyone thinks they have the ultimate. Like everyone's a GM. What I Everybody. love. What I love is sometimes how adamant people are, are about. It. How oh, can yeah. you be that adamant that this guy's the right guy? How 
I, mean, I don't even think GMs are at adamant yeah. about it. Like, I mean, is this like is this like your distant cousin that you're trying to stick up for here? Like, what, why are you sticking up for this player so much? Oh, people are so passionate about what it. Golick and Wingo said about my pick, and also a former GM. Did he like it or not? And what I'm going to say about it too. Next on ESPN 690. We think our pro department, our coaches, did a nice job identifying guys that can come in and start. Um, if it's uh, whether it's a in a stopgap type of situation until our our rookies are ready to go, or in a situation where a guy gets an opportunity to come in on a one-year deal, and we realize that hey, he may have a little bit more to him than just uh, being a one-year guy for us. When you're picking at nine and twenty and and early in the second round, yeah, we'd like to have those guys especially those early guys, come in and, and compete for a starting job and, and and take that starting job over. That's Dave Caldwell from today, a Zoom call with the local media pre-draft. Uh, it's a week away now. And, again, you can listen to the draft right here on ESPN 690, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the 2020 draft right here on ESPN 690. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos, back on a Thursday. Hope everybody's doing well. We also want to remind you of, uh, well, some of the things that uh, we are trying to do with your help uh, to recognize and support our neighbors and community. And uh, those are twofold. First, a virtual food drive for Feeding Northeast Florida. Uh, if you've participated, we thank you very much. If you have the ability to participate, uh, it is still open and you have the ability to do so. The best way, go to ESPN690.com, contribute Whatever you can to uh, feeding Northeast Florida and help uh, meals in uh, our area and those that need them get them. So we appreciate it uh, if you are able to do it, that you could participate uh, with all of our Cox Media radio stations and our TV stations, CBS 47 and Fox 30. It's a virtual food drive. As of yesterday, had raised more than $40,000. So thank you very much. The other thing we're doing, and we'd uh, love for you to participate and recognize some of your neighbors, uh, relatives, people you know, co-workers. And all you have to do is call star star 690, leave a message and uh, a message of support. Maybe it's a happy birthday wish. Maybe it's to the frontline healthcare workers, uh, truck drivers, uh, restaurant business, uh, anyone you want to give a shout out to. We are welcoming, and uh, we'll play them on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I know you have to know somebody uh, that might be uh, need a little pick-me-up, uh, need a little lift, and, and put a smile on their face. Hopefully, uh, we can help do that and uh, open up the avenue to do it. Star Star 690 is the way to do it. All right, uh, earlier today, we love mock drafts, mm. and I am picking for the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Golik and Wingo mock draft 2020. Off the board already, Burrow, Young, Akuda, Simmons, Tua, Herbert, Derek Brown, and shockingly, I did not make this pick, mm. Henry Ruggs mm, mm, all went mm. in the top eight. Mm. So I have all the offensive linemen to pick. Sure. I also could leap at a C.J. Henderson fill a vacancy at corner. I could go defensive line. I could go wide receiver. Still got Judy and Lamb out there that everybody loves. Well, here's how it went down, Austin Lane. 
And with that sound and the ninth pick of the draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars are officially on the clock to help us make that pick. We go now to Brent Martineau of ESPN 690. Brent, the floor is yours. Good morning with the ninth overall selection in the 2020 Golik and Wingo mock draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars pick Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Player profile with Mel Kuyper Jr. I think Javon Kinlaw, the second best defensive tackle all along to Derek Brown, but there wasn't a whole heck of a lot separating the two except consistency week in and week out. Kinlaw checks in at 6'5", 324 pounds. Gifted athlete. Boy, this guy, when he's on his game, is unblockable. I think from a talent standpoint, your teams are going to be really bowled over by that. They're going to say, we can take this guy, we can make him into every bit as good as any defensive tackle in the National Football League. His ceiling, his upside is through the roof. And like I said, there's not a lot separating him from Derek Brown except week-to-week consistency. Yeah, first thing I do with this guy is make him take his shirt off and be the first one off the bus because he's an absolute freak. Was this, Brent, a no-brainer for you, or were you thinking of going in a different direction? Absolutely different directions are on the board with the Jags. They could go in four different spots. The most gaping hole is cornerback for the Jags, but obviously Akuda's off the board, and C.J. Henderson's too much of a reach. Offensive line could be an upgrade. Wide receiver would help Gardner Minshew out. But the Jags lost Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius, and the drama is real, guys, with Yannick Ngakwe. Kinlaw helps fortify a middle that allowed 200 yards rushing in four different games last year. The drop-off at D-line just too steep for the Jags to pass. Never enough big men, guys. Jags go defense at number nine. And now it's time. We thank you for that help, Brent. But it's time to pop open the binder and go even deeper on Javon Kinlaw. All right, you mentioned taking his shirt off to be the first one on the bus. Yeah. This is how impressive as a physical specimen Javon Kinlaw is. Our own Todd McShay said, if God was ever going to make a defensive lineman, it's this guy. He went to the Senior Bowl. He didn't play. He showed up in practice and left after 48 hours and probably made himself 15 to $20 million. His story is incredible. He split his time growing up between his mom in Washington, D.C., and his father in the low country in South Carolina, essentially homeless for a large part of that time, including when he was living in D.C., walking through gang-infected areas and stepping over corpses at times. He said, I still dream about those problems and a lot of those situations, nightmares, really. And to this day, whenever he sees someone homeless, he walks up to him and gives him a few bucks because he doesn't want anybody to live through the nightmares that he lived through as a kid. He's a guy that had to grow up well before his time, no doubt about it. And has turned that into a, a lot of motivation to get to the place he wants now to change a lot of that. Kind of like a hungry kid, and that is Javon Kinlaw. So that's how it went down this morning on Golik and Wingo on ESPN 690. Hope you're checking that out from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. Uh, one little uh, uh, note here. When Golik came back on and said, take off your shirt and get off the bus, I thought at first he was talking about me. <laughs> I didn't realize he was talking about Kinlaw. Sure. But okay, uh, to maybe next, when I pick the 20th one, I might do it with my shirt off, uh, even though it's radio. So you like Kinlaw. I know you like him. I didn't really get the same response and the feelings from our fan base. They were a little like, oh, Brent, why did you do it? What's everybody saying, Brent? Let's go to the Twitter stuff. Let's let's start giving people what they want. Let's give them the notoriety. Let's call them out. What do we got here? It was uh, they don't want me as the GM, I think. That that was crystal clear. Uh, Here's how the votes went out. 38% 38% of folks that answered yesterday when I asked who should we take, mm-hmm. uh, Judy was the answer. Mm. And Judy was my second pick. 
He's the guy to me that makes them so dynamic, and I help Minshew out. I'll be all for it. I'll be celebrating. I'll be applauding that if that happens. If you like Lamb, fine. That's too. I I feel like Judy's the best guy. Mm. Everything I can see and and read and like and and I I like Judy. Uh, but you know the worst in the offensive line. Those are fine picks. If you feel like it's upgradable enough, that's fine. I just can't get past the fact that if you say it out loud, Calais, Marcel. Who knows with Yannick? You want to fix the run. Marone said that two weeks ago on a conference call with all the local media. He, they, Their attention is on the run game. They want to stop it. They gave up four 200-yard performances, and by the way, very close to a fifth one because the Chargers ran for 195 yards. Mm-hmm. If you say those things and then add to it the drop-off and kind of what Caldwell said today, even though I made this pick before Caldwell said that, well, I think Kinlaw makes a lot of sense for what you need and also the star potential he could be. That's why I ended up going with it. And I couldn't go corner. Corner is the biggest hole this football team has, in my opinion. Mm. The biggest one. Because they really don't have a – they don't know who's going to play there. I mean, you, Rashad Melvin, I mean, come on. They don't know – they could get way better at the corner spot. I'm just not – I told you yesterday on the show, I'm not reaching to go get C.J. Henderson. I'll take my chances with the 20th pick, maybe the 42nd pick, or maybe even the 73rd pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars 2020 draft at finding a corner. Proud of you, man. You know, that's all that needs to be said. I'm proud of you. You didn't panic. You sounded great on the radio. Um, You made some valid points. Um, Very, uh, very – what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, like you dissected it very well. You know, like you you explained that – yeah, there's other there's offensive linemen out there. C.J. Henderson's out there, but um, I think you backed up your pick very well. I'm sorry that you're not getting some love on Twitter, but hey, it's Twitter and it's it's mock draft season, so it is what it is. But proud of you, man. I I think you made the right pick. Yeah, you like that pick, uh, which is good. I'm glad because I sit next to you and you're six six two forty five. I don't want you mad at me. <laughs> um, the Someone said, "Oh, big buzz kill <laughs> when I picked it. Yeah. Uh, so th- that was one of the responses. Uh, let's see. What else did we get here? Uh, what about Beckton at nine? Uh, you could have gone Beckton at nine. That would have been fine. Uh, if that's who I have to pick at nine, I'd take just a fifth rounder from anyone to swap picks and move down in the first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Sounds good. That's awesome. You need a three technique, sir. Uh, go ahead. E. Dilla didn't love my pick. What did he say? Uh, he didn't say anything. He just gave me, uh, well, a gif or gif or whatever we want to call those. I always forget. It's gif. Gif of um, someone looking cross-eyed. Cool. Hey, E. Dilla, you should have passed me some uh, inside info, and maybe I would have done differently. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, I thought someone was gonna like actually grill you hardcore for it. Nah, like, what uh, you... show, chauffeur Boz, Jack's Boz says, uh, didn't Kinlaw Medical show bone on bone knee and another big potential injury issue? Could have sworn I saw it posted somewhere. And I think there are some indications. There are some mixed thoughts about his medicals. I haven't seen any like Miles Jack kind of concerns. A Tua kind of concerns. I don't feel like people are talking about Kinlaw like that. But coming out of the Senior Bowl, remember he had tendonitis. He also had some injuries off the 2018 season as well. So he has had some injuries. I feel like the Senior Bowl injury was more like, hey, I'm getting out of here because I showed you what I'm worth. And I don't need to be here anymore. I'm not going to wear the Reese's jersey and play in, in this game. Why? You see me with my shirt off. I weighed in. You see what I can do. We're done. Did you, did you see the first play that he bull rushed that dude, put him on his back? If that's the case, dude, I do that, I'm out of here. I don't give him from Murray State or not. I bull <laughs> yeah. rush somebody, put him on their back, 
All right, well, see you guys later. We'll see you at the combine. Thank you. I mean, BCB couch said, ouch. I mean, is this really, was that really an ouch pick? I mean, is it really, like, I almost don't think you can make a mistake at that pick. Ouch, what? What does that mean, though? Ouch means, I don't like my pick. Mm. Man, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, uh, I don't, cool. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, here's the deal. Uh, last part of this. After I went with Kinwa, yep. the Browns took Tristan Wirfs, the Jets, Mackay Becton, and then Jerry Judy at number 12. So, the Raiders? Kuz, how am I supposed to set this up? Is Kuz in there? Yeah, there he is. Uh, does this start with Tannenbaum? Uh, it starts with the guys? Okay, so basically when all those uh, picks are done, 9, 10, 11, 12, those were the picks in, in today's part of the mock draft. Sure. Uh, the guys said this. But now, let's keep growing the team right now. We welcome in Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider. And Mike, of those picks, is there any that stands out to you as the one that you would most publicly endorse? Uh, you know, maybe starting with Kinlaw. Uh, I saw him, I scouted him in person and really agree with a lot of the assessments. I think when you have somebody that can rush the passer from interior defensive linemen, much the way Calais Campbell was able to move from outside to inside uh, throughout his career. I think those guys are really not only productive players, but more importantly create production for others because they're going to draw the double teams a lot, and they could also push the pocket. So I think Kinlaw is a guy that puts a huge hole for Jacksonville. So uh, I like most of those picks, but no, most notably that one. Baby Tannenbaum, he liked my pick. I need a little validation at that point. I guess so, man. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back a little harder. Of course, man. Of course he likes the pick. Of course people should like the pick because it's a three technique. You have nobody else right now. You have Taven Bryan. How confident are you? Welcome. I mean, I don't know what else to say, man. He said something about Calais Campbell, though. I never really equated Calais Campbell. And, you know, I'm thinking three technique. And I understand Calais played that, that inside. To Kinlaw, yeah. But I never really equated Kinlaw or Brown or anything to the – because I'm thinking not Calais, the big end spot. But he – remember – Kinlaw can play that, man. Yeah, like, he has the build for that as well. Well, and that's what Tannenbaum was kind of saying. Yeah. I guess, I'm just telling you, I didn't really – I'm not seeing – I'm thinking more, okay, upgrade Taven Bryan, play the three technique, play more like uh, uh, Malik Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm not really thinking Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell, who, by the way, made all pro at two different positions back in 2017. You know the story on Calais, the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, but the flexibility that actually a guy like Kinlaw could give you because he's such a specimen yeah. uh, could play – you know, multiple I positions. Mean, I'm just upset now because Brent's going to get taken away and get a front office job in an NFL team because now he's getting general manager endorsements. So it's going to be me and Coos here trying to hold the fort down, um, which is awesome, though, man. I mean, well, it's not good. bad. I mean, I think a lot of respect in the scouting world for me after I nailed Josh Allen last year going to the Jacks. That's a good point. That's I good. Mean, I mean, luck, skill. There's a fine line, right? A lot of people like to proclaim all these things, <laughs> like they're scouts and. Moguls and all this stuff. <laughs> hey, sometimes it's just proof in the pudding. I, I, I forgot your question, even. I'm sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> you see, I mean, Calais, uh, will they use Do him think, yeah. down the road? I'm not saying this year, but could they use him eventually? Or is that so, asking a little too much out of this guy? Because I kind of see him. Could he play the nose or three technique? Where, yeah. Where Calais see, didn't ever play that. That's more Marcel Darius. Yeah, see, to me, because he has. He has the upper body strength, in my opinion. Like, right, the, the games that I watched when he played Alabama. Um, you know, like that was such an evident game of just how good that guy was. And, like, what he does right now is he does a great job of obviously coming out of a stance 
with that first step, but he's, he's also a great presser, meaning that he's got a great upper body strength. Um, he's very explosive. So to put a nose technique, you have to have some of that stuff. But to me, if you put him at nose, you take away what he's great at. You know, like, and that's kind of, I get what you're saying, because Marcel Darius and Avery Jones, I mean, they're great nose techniques. You know, Darius played a little through technique as well. But, like, it's a different kind of feeling, right? Where a nose technique, it's more of a shorter step. It's all about the hand placement. It's about anchoring up. And I think Kinlaw's game is more of that first step exploding, but then he penetrates. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what you want to get from a three technique, as opposed to a nose technique where you're taking on more, like, you know, you're taking on pullers, you're taking on... Double teams, you're taking on all that. So can, can I see Kinlaw playing the big end spot? Absolutely. It begs the question, though. If you were to take Kinlaw, and, you know, we always hear these rumors, do, do you switch a little bit of a 3-4 defense this year? Do, do you go in that direction? Can, can Kinlaw play a two-gap defense would be the big question, right? Because you're not going to put him as an outside linebacker, obviously. He's way too big, too heavy. So then that means you have to put him like a Chris Jones and put him at two-gap, especially in base defense. And it begs the question: Can he play that? And I don't have a, I don't have the answer for you, you know, because he's never played it before. I don't know how he's going to respond to that. We saw Taven Bryan play that big end spot a little bit, and that wasn't his forte. Didn't now, work keep in out. mind, he didn't play that in college, so he's playing out of position. But even coming from a three technique at Florida, going to the big, the big end technique, you know, for Jacksonville, it didn't translate well for him. So I think Kinlaw can definitely do it. I think there's a giant question mark if he can actually play a two-gap scheme in a 3-4 defense. But playing that three technique in that big end spot, I think he could be just fine with it. Well, so. I think uh, Kinlaw is going to be there for the Jags. I think if Derek Brown is there at nine, they'll take him instead. Yeah. I think if Akuda was there, they would take him first before even Derek Brown or Kinlaw. And then I just don't know where the receivers fit in. I'm not sure about the – I don't think the offensive tackles factor next. I really don't. I know that's disappointing to some. But – I, I guess on my excitement level, I think if I'm a Jags fan, if you get me a Judy or a Lamb, I'm most excited because mm-hmm. I like offense. I want off. I want to see this team different than I've seen it for the last dozen years, and that would make them look different. It really would. If they get Brown or Kinlaw, I actually believe Brown is the better pick. I think I might be more excited about the potential of Kinlaw. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> he he could be a rock star, and I'm a sucker for a story, and his story is an unbelievable run one, really. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. But I got Javon Kinlaw at number nine. My next duty is to get the 20th pick. That will happen on Monday. That will be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. My nerves will be um, all over the place all weekend long. You said your excitement level, obviously wide receiver, offensive minded guy. I, I get that. Where would your excitement level fit? And you've kind of talked about Isaiah Simmons a little bit. Of You, you don't really know where you would put him. Yeah. And I understand that. And I think maybe a lot of teams could think that. And maybe that's why he slips to Jacksonville. If Isaiah Simmons is on the board number nine, the Jaguars take him, how excited are you? Now, take the – I'm not sure where they're going to put him, but yeah. from, from an excitement standpoint, from seeing his name on the screen, um, how excited are you for the Jacksonville I Jaguars? I would be very excited for the Jags if they took Simmons. Here's why. I don't think they need Simmons right now, which means they must value him as one hell of a football player. Mm-hmm. And let's just hope they're right. And and hopefully they have a good plan for him. Yeah. Because I do think he's really – I mean, again, I liken him more to the Derwin James kind of player. Derwin James, to me, in that draft, I kind of always thought was going to be one of the most electric players in that draft. I think it's turned out to be. I mean, I think he's a phenomenal football player. How do you use him? How do you get the most out of him? Well, that's the next step of it. 
Uh, do you trust the Jags to do that? You, know, you just brought up Taven Bryant. Earlier, I had brought up Miles Jack. I think they've made some mistakes in that. Now, you know, they tried to put Bryant on the outside. Couldn't do it. It wasn't didn't work. Mm-hmm. I understood why they tried to do it, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you trust them to do it? and execute the plan the correct way to get the most out of the young man, the talented football player. That's a different story. Would you be excited about getting one hell of a football player? Yeah, I think I would be. Uh, But the questions would follow. He would be the most questionable pick for me because I'd be like, okay, now what? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You got a hundred and something million tied up in your two linebackers. What are you doing with this guy? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.